0: Coming up, which 2023 positional battles could maybe be determined by how players perform at the end of 2022? That's what we're going to discuss next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network your team every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer so please go check out my website MillerThomas24 thatmyportfoliocom On um, there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle and of course thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks here for First listen every day would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends as i mentioned in the open i want to discuss position <coughs> excuse me <coughs> let me clear my throat i want to discuss positional battles for 2023 that could be helped determined by how some players perform at the end of 2022 so let's get into some positional battles and see who or what areas of this team can maybe be could maybe be decided with how these players perform at the end of 2022 and the first positional battle i'm looking at is the fourth outfielder spot in the outfield, of course, for next season. And that could come down to Cooper Hummel versus Jake McCarthy. I think these are the two most likely candidates to be fighting for that fourth spot because right now in my outfield next season, I got Dalton Varsho penciled in, I got Alec Thomas penciled in, and then I got Corbin Carroll as well. So who's going to be the fourth outfielder in that situation? Well, I think a lot of people would like Jake McCarthy, of course. His numbers are pretty similar versus both righties and lefties. So if you're Tory Lovello, guess what? You don't have to sit Jake McCarthy just because there's the lefty on the mound. His numbers are pretty eerily similar versus both lefty and righty pitchers. Jake McCarthy is someone that has been super clutch for the D-backs. I mean, over the last month and a half, he's been phenomenal. And so far on this season, Jake McCarthy has over a 300 average runners in scoring position. Like, this guy comes through when men are on the bases and that's a huge area because there's a lot of young guys that don't come through in those areas. Those clutch, high leverage moments of the game guys, when there's guys on the bases, like, those are pressurized moments for a lot of young players. And Jake McCarthy, someone that's really come through in the clutch for the D-backs this year. Two out to runners in scoring position Jake McCarthy over a 400 average and over 800 OPS so as the game gets tougher as the moments get tighter Jake McCarthy is only getting better and when you contrast that with Cooper Hummel it's almost night and day because Cooper Hummel's just basically his traditional raw stats are just disgusting across the board like Most players, when you look at their splits, when they're ahead or behind the count, usually it's like 200 average, 400 OPS when they're behind in the count, and then like, 500 average and 1200 OPS when they're ahead of the count. For Cooper Hummel, that is not the case. He is a terrible player when he's behind the count. He's also a terrible player when he's ahead in the count. He doesn't even have an advantage when he has a 2-0 count, fastball count. Cooper Hummel can't even take advantage of those situations. He's also just not good with runners in scoring position, like terrible average, terrible OPS. He's not coming through in those big moments of the game, not getting those big knocks and that's important because when it's like second and third, two outs, and sometimes you're like, yeah, we need this big hit to keep ourselves in the game, keep building momentum. Sometimes you need that big hit to get the scoring run started, to get those two-out rallies started, and Cooper Hummel's most likely not going to do that for you. Jake McCarthy is. That's why the days when Jake McCarthy's in the lineup, there's a different vibe because it doesn't matter if there's two outs on the board. doesn't matter how many people are on the bases. It feels like when Jake McCarthy's at the plate, There's a situation for those runners to come home as opposed to Cooper Hummel. If Cooper Hummel's at the plate and there's runners in scoring position, I just don't have that confidence in Hummel to bring those runners home like I do in a Jake McCarthy and... I think the only reason Cooper Hummel's even in this combo for fourth outfielder is because he one kills triple-a pitching has been dominant against triple-a this year and he was also acquired in the Eduardo Escobar trade like you don't want to just give up a player of Escobar's caliber for nothing and so I think Mike Hazen in the front office really want Cooper Hummel to work out so they're going to continue to give him opportunities at the end of this year but let's not forget that Jake McCarthy was a first round pick by Mike Hazen, so he's got pedigree McCarthy also when you just think about both of these players as just base runners because Cooper Hummel is a pretty quick guy. He's a good base runner, but McCarthy, 53% of the time, is taking an extra base. That's when you turn a single into a double. Hummel's only doing that 14% of the time, so McCarthy's also more clutch at the plate, but then he's also getting himself in better scoring positions, so I'm taking McCarthy over Hummel as the fourth outfielder despite Hummel being a switch hitter, and that might help with a lefty Heavy outfield, I don't care. We already know Jake McCarthy's good against left-handed pitching, so I'm making him my fourth outfielder for next year. The other big... Um Positional battle. I we're just gonna make the whole episode about two uh, about positional battles. I got two a segment and the second one. This segment I want to talk about is the left side of the infield because basically I think you need to pick three of four of these players when it comes to Josh Rojas, Nick Ahmed, Geraldo Perdomo, and Emmanuel Rivera. I think three of those four players will be on the left side of the infield next season. I think the problem is deciding which three of the four you should pick. And if I had to say who is a lock of that four, I think Rojas. I could probably you know, take away the quickest if I did process of elimination because Rojas is someone that's gone better every single season. And he's also someone that could play pretty much anywhere like third base, shortstop, left field, second base. You could put Rojas all over the infield. Like Rojas is quietly as turned into one of the best. Ba- uh, Rojas has quietly turned into one of the best base dealers in all of baseball. I think over his last like 30 days he leads all of baseball in steals. He has 16 steals, I believe, in only 84 games like Rojas. Has, and he hasn't been caught yet this year. So Rojas, out of nowhere, is basically turned into, like, Ichiro Suzuki or prime Mike Trout on the bases. Like, he's absolutely phenomenal. Maybe Ricky Henderson. Um, you, could turn, uh, you could make a joke that Rojas has turned into Ricky Henderson. So I think Rojas is a lock to get a spot on the left side of the infield next year. So it really comes down to Emmanuel Rivera. Nick Ahmed and Ronaldo Perdomo which makes it a little tougher and Rivera has been really good so far for the D-backs he's got like a 350 average bunch of home runs he's got 1200 plus 1300 plus OPS and he's only going to be 27 next year and he was acquired for Luke Weaver so I think the D-backs want to give him some opportunity so I think for the rest of this season we will see a good amount of Emmanuel Rivera and how he plays will depend on how he um, is fitted into this D-backs lineup in future for next season you got Geraldo Perdomo and Nick Ahmed who are basically the same player but one is younger and Uh, and Geraldo Perdomo. Nick Ahmed is going to be making like $7.5 million next year. He's also not here to make a case for himself because of injury. He's also old. So if I had to pick three out of these four players, I'm already picking Josh Rojas, like I said. I think I'm also picking Emmanuel Rivera because he's only going to be 27, acquired for Luke Weaver. So because Luke Weaver was acquired in that Paul Goldschmidt deal, I don't think you want to turn Goldschmidt into Rivera and then Rivera not even given given a chance to prove himself on the D-back. So I think Rivera... We'll get more opportunity. This, we'll get more opportunity this season and next season. So Rojas Rivera, I think they can both play together. And then Geraldo Perdomo is the third guy I'm picking out of these four because Nick Ahmed, let's face it, he's old, and it's like, what does he offer? Uh, whatever Nick Ahmed offers, I can get from Perdomo not much offense, and a lot of defense, Perdomo could give that to me right now, I like Perdomo's confidence, he's got some swagger, he's pretty quick as well, can steal some bases, so even though Perdomo's not a great offensive player, neither is Nick Ahmed, I'm going to take the cheaper, younger guy that I could at least convince myself that maybe Perdomo has a ceiling, I could convince myself, or trick myself into thinking Perdomo has a ceiling, still has untapped potential, unlike Nick Ahmed, we already know, what Nick Ahmed is at this point of his career. like He is who he is. So if I had to pick three out of four, I'm going Rivera, Rojas, and Perdomo. Sorry, Nick Ahmed, but you will not be cracking the left side of my infield next season. Now, I got some more positional battles I want to discuss with you guys. But first, I want to talk to you guys about your liver because did you know the liver is the body's metabolic furnace, it's responsible for flushing out harmful toxins and igniting your fat-burning metabolism. But thanks to modern diets, rich in unhealthy processed foods, and constant exposure to thousands of man-made and environmental toxins, most of us have overworked our livers. But now it's easy to rejuvenate your liver health and reignite your metabolism. Thanks to Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research, Liver Health Formula contains eight liver-boosting super nutrients like turmeric, beet, and artichoke extract, all of which work together to wake up a sluggish liver and turn it into a toxin-flushing and fat-burning machine. No more bloated belly, no more uncomfortable digestion, no more feeling tired and low energy all the time, and best of all, liver health formula makes it easier to maintain a healthy body weight long term as a listener of our show you can try liver health formula risk-free today and get a free bottle of curb fit with your order curb fit is a safe and all-natural appetite suppressant making it easy to say no to naughty foods this makes it the perfect complement to liver health formula so go to get liverhelp.com/mlb to learn more again that's getliverhelp.com/mlb to try liver health formula completely risk free and claim your free bottle of curb fit with your order go to getliverhelp.com/mlb to get started All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the excuse me, what did I just say? Let's get back into the pod and let's discuss some more positional battles. And the next one I want to discuss is who's going to be that number four, number five starter for the D-Backs next season. Because right now the two most likely candidates are probably Zach Davies and Tommy Henry. But you also can't forget guys who are going to be out the rest of the season, like Herberto Mejia. So who is going to be that number five, number number four, number five starter for the D-Backs? I think both the number four and number five starter is up for grabs because. Pretty much, you know, Gallon locked in. Miro Kelly locked in because of his contract. I have to say, Madison Baumgartner locked in. So that's three players. And Davies, he's going to be a free agent. And I actually really like Dav- Zach Davies. I wouldn't mind at all if the D-backs decide to bring him back as long as we have Brent Strong. Because I think he's been really solid this year i i think he's been better than my expectations for him so far this year his numbers across the board are basically right there with his career numbers like no better no worse right there along with his career numbers and the same can be said for Tommy Henry like he's someone that's also been better than the expectations I put for him this year and I still don't love his makeup as a pitcher because like I said I don't love low 90s fastball pitchers when you're already 24 years old and you're topping out at 91 miles an hour that just makes me think already that your ceiling is a little bit lower than most other prospects but even with that being said that doesn't mean you can't be an effective and above average major league starting pitcher and maybe Tommy Henry's destiny is not to be a frontline starter but guess what every rotation needs a number three number four number five starter and maybe tommy henry can be that future solidified lock it in number four starter for the d-backs because i do like the way he's pitched i mean low 90s fastball is not my cup of tea but the breaking ball he mixes in with that low 90s fastball He's looked really good so far this year, and I think Tommy Henry is going to continue to get more starts down the stretch, but I also expect some other players to get starts down the stretch. I don't expect these two to be the only, and once we get to spring training next year, guys like Humberto Mejia, who I just brought up, or not Mejia, Humberto Castellanos. He's going to be back in the spring training next year, um, vying for a starting rotation spot. Same with Tyler Gilbert. So it will even get more muddled once we get to spring training this year. But for at least this season, because Castellanos is not coming back, I'm not too sure about Tyler Gilbert. I don't remember if he's out for the season with injury. But even with that being said, I don't think it'll just be Tommy Henry and Zach Davies that get all the starts for the rest of the season. Zach Davies will probably get more than Tommy Henry, but... I wouldn't even be surprised if someone like Corbin Martin, who we've talked a lot about on this pod, gets a look because, of course, he was acquired. That Zach Greinke trade, I think the D-backs are really committed to playing those prospects from the Zach Greinke trade to see what they have. Corbin Martin, of course, played under Brent Strom when he was with the Houston Astros. He's been pretty good at striking out people throughout his minor league career. He's still trying to rediscover his form from pre-Tommy John surgery. So I would love to see more Corbin Martin down the stretch, at least get one or two starts from him. Also, I wouldn't mind seeing at least one minor league pitcher be called up. We've talked a lot about Ryan Nelson, Drew Jameson, but the guy I think that might be most likely to get called up from AAA as a starting pitcher this season, I think that would be Brandon Fatt, who was promoted from AA to AAA already. He's a two-fastball guy, four-seamer and two-seamer, throws around the mid-90s, and I just kind of like his makeup overall as a starting pitcher. Or at least a reliever. I First, would like to see him, you know, maybe get a start or two as a starter. But that doesn't happen. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a long relief opportunity as well. Because I remember talking to Lindsey Crosby, our lockdown MLB prospects guy, like two or three months ago. We were just discussing, like, what? Guys from A AA or AAA, do you think could be called up and make an immediate impact for this D back team? And Brandon Fat was one of the pitchers at the top of his list. And if I'm not mistaken, he might have even had Fat above the Ryan Nelson's and the Drew Jameson's of guys he think could be called up right away from the minor leagues. And that was still at a time when Brandon Fat was in A. That's how much Lindsey Crosby liked the ar- arsenal of Brandon Fat and his pitching profile. So I wouldn't mind seeing Brandon Fag get called up or any of those young minor league pitchers get called up. I wouldn't see mind seeing Corbin Martin get another start, but as of right now I think the front runners for next season are Zach Davies and Tommy Henry. And I don't think that's wrong. I don't have a problem with that. Like like I said, I wouldn't mind Davies coming back next season. And Tommy Henry has been better than my expectations so far. So those two are definitely the front runners to be the number four, number five starter for next season. But I also expect some other guys to get opportunities and in cracks in that rotation at the back end of the rotation this season and some in spring training next year. And then another positional battle to round out segment number two that I'm going to be watching out for for the rest of the season is, of course, that closer battle because Tory Lovello has talked about how he's going to be a committee with Mark Melanson, Ian Kennedy, and Joe Mantiply. and Really, just take Mark Melanson out of this. Like I've seen enough Mark Melanson. I don't need him to be my closer next year, but I honestly wouldn't be too mad if Ian Kennedy was the closer next year or Joe Manciply or in, or other as the option because Joe Manciply, as a closer... Hasn't been as great as he's been as a reliever. His ERA slightly raises to 324 over 16.2 innings pitch as a closer. He's like a two flat as just a straight reliever um, on the season. So he hasn't been as good as a closer. His numbers are also pretty atrocious in high leverage moments. 339 average and 904 OPS allowed in high leverage moments. So maybe Joe Manzplice shouldn't be the closer, of the future, but I still want to see him get opportunities for the rest of this year. But hey, if he's not good as a closer, then guess what? We have an elite setup man in Joe Manspli. Maybe he's setting up Ian Kendi as a closer because I know Ian Kendi is old. He's been shaky at times this season, but his overall numbers are not too bad. And he's got a ton of experience as a closer already. Has pitched for the D-backs previously. It just not a, a long leash on the career of Ian Kennedy because he's so old. So we'll see if he could be the closer of the future, at least for next season. But the D backs also have some other interesting options. Like a Kyle Nelson, like why not give him opportunities to be the closer for next season with opportunities with opportunities this year? Because he's got a better ERA than Mantiply in safe situations. He's got a two flat ERA over nine innings pitch in safe situations. His numbers aren't great either in high leverage moments, but they're better than Mantiply. So Kyle Nelson is someone who I wouldn't mind seeing get more save opportunities down the stretch. And even another option I have for you is Kenyon Middleton, because believe me, I don't want no Chris Davinsky going anywhere near the ninth inning. I'm so out on that guy as a player, nothing against him as a person, but I just feel like he does nothing for the D-backs future, so I'm out on him. But Kenyon Middleton, but this is someone that throws mid-90s, slider changeup. Like, I would like to see Kenyon Middleton get some opportunities. He's already finished some games this season, so... Those are just some options that I would really like to see. Um, Get a shot at the closing situation because I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world, but hey, why not see what the D-backs have in those younger guys and if The D-backs don't want to see what they have in those younger guys, and let's see what we have in some more, in some of our more established relievers that we have on the major league level in Kyle Nelson and Joe Mantiply and give those guys save opportunities because next year, I want our closer to be locked down before the season starts, and I want to be someone reliable, whether that's Mantiply, Kyle Nelson, or one of those young guys. I don't want to go into next season guessing who's going to be closer and guessing whether that guy's going to be trustworthy as the closer. I want that spot to be solidified next season, so let's start that. Positional battle early. Now, I got two more positional battles that I want to discuss with you guys for next season. But before we get there, I first want to say if you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your car, you lose your job, you kill someone... All right, let's get back into the podcast. Let's let's discuss the last positional battles I have on my list here. The next one is first base for the D-backs because we got Seth Beer versus Christian Walker. And, of course, Christian Walker, he's going to break a whole bunch of career highs, starting with home runs. This man might hit, what, 35 to 38 home runs this season. He's going to put up pretty good RBI numbers. His OPS is going to be pretty good as well. So Christian Walker is going to be putting up offensive numbers that are better than any numbers he's ever put up previously in his career. And also defensively, Christian Walker has been one of the best defensive first basemen in baseball this year. But you know who's not good at first base defensively? Seth Beer. But guess what? If his bat is better than Christian Walker's. If his bat is as good as what we've seen in the minor leagues, I don't care if he's not a great defense player. I don't even care if he's the defensive liability. If he's a 290 hitter, 30 home runs, if he's doing everything that you would want from a first baseman offensively, then I don't care as much of his defensive shortcomings because I care mostly about offense. And if Seth Beer is giving me me the offense, if he's slugging at the plate, then that's mostly what I care about because – I need to know heading into next season whether Christian Walker should and could be a trade piece, and that all depends on Seth Beer and his bat hitting his ceiling, because if Seth Beer is not going to hit and be a defensive liability, the D-backs are not going to just move on from Christian Walker. Christian Walker is cheap. He's arbitration eligible. There's no reason to move on to Christian Walker just to move on from him. You're not going to do some salary dump with Christian Walker. He's not getting paid a ton. For Christian Walker to be moved, it means you have Seth Beer, an incumbent first baseman who could be better than Christian Walker and at the time would also be cheaper. So for Seth Beer, I want to know how good is he really? We've seen his bat in the minor leagues be phenomenal. Even last year in the small sample size with the D-backs, he's been really good. But outside of the first 10 games of this season, Seth Beer has been awful offensively, he hasn't been good defensively either. So I want to see him get more DH opportunities for the rest of the season. Put tune for Christian Walker as well and just see what Seth Beer's bat does because if his bat is not doing anything at the plate, then I'm sorry. The D-backs might have to just consider just stop playing Seth Beer overall and he just might not be a prospect or young player to be uh, you know worth wasting your time on like I feel like the dbacks are starting to get to that point with Paven Smith um we haven't really seen Paven Smith uh that much the last couple months of the season I don't know how much more Paven Smith will see he's the other guy that could be playing some first base for this dbacks team if the dbacks felt like it was necessary he's also a former first round pick like he could be the one platooning and playing DH with Christian Walker but instead it's Seth beer because at least Seth beer has the potential for his bat to be you know an all-star level bat despite the d defensive liabilities. Haven Smith is a defensive liability and his and his bat really doesn't have an offensive ceiling. So, right now it's a Seth Beer versus Christian Walker battle. Christian Walker is the heavy favorite to be the first baseman for next season, but if, you know, if Seth Beer puts together a hot two weeks in August and a hot couple of weeks in September, then maybe the D-backs double think their situation and going to spring training next year as a real training camp battle. And if Seth Beer is able to win the job, then maybe look at Christian Walker as a nice little trade piece for a contender they could can move at the deadline or even before the season starts. So I'm very curious on the Seth Beer versus Christian Walker battle because I just feel like Beer is such a big question mark. And I really want to know, where he is in terms of his variance of how good of a player he actually is, because it feels like Seth Beer is either elite or he's terrible. So I want to know what that middle ground is for Seth Beer. Then the next positional battle I'm watching for the rest of 2022 is who's going to be the center fielder, for next season for the D-backs because of course we got Alec Thomas in center field right now but there's been all those rumblings about Corbin Carroll being called up in September so I want to know who's going to be the D-back center fielder because right now what we've seen from Alec Thomas defensively in center field has been nothing short of amazing it feels like Alec Thomas is going to win a platinum glove award at some point of his in some point of his career we saw him end the Colorado Rockies game by robbing a home run this is someone that has great tracking instincts right off the bat, off the jump. As soon as you hear the crack of the bat, Alec Thomas is always is already going. He's like the terminator or something. Like it's like he has a machine behind his eyes where he could just perfectly calculate where the ball is going to go. He puts his hand there and it's in his glove every single time. My biggest issue with Alec Thomas is probably the fact that he doesn't have like a cannon for the arm. That's where the debate really comes in between him and Corbin Carroll because I think Thomas is the more natural, more instinctively gifted center fielder, but Corbin Carroll might be the more talented center fielder because he might be even quicker than Alec Thomas, who's like 94th percentile in sprint speed. Like Corbin Carroll might be 99.9 uh, percent percentile when it comes to sprint speed, a little bit of a stronger arm as well, so he might be able to cover more ground and get to balls quicker and throw out more runners, but the instincts might be better for Alec Thomas. He just might be more natural at that position, so if Corbin, Car- if Corbin Carroll gets called up in September, that center field battle is going to be one that I watch for intently, not from an offensive standpoint, but really just a st- defense standpoint because the center fielder is kind of like the quarterback of the defense um, back there, so I want to know who's going to be manning that center field position, Corbin Carroll or Alec Thomas. And then in two two to three to four years, it will be another fun conversation when we say who should be the center fielder, Drew Jones, Alec Thomas or Corbin Carroll that will be a super fun conversation but right now we're just going to keep it to Carroll and Alec Thomas and I feel like for next season it'll probably be Alec Thomas as a center fielder also just a little bit safer position I think in terms of injuries I think you want to protect Corbin Carroll a little bit more than Alec Thomas no disrespect to Alec Thomas but Corbin Carroll could be the next superstar of Major League Baseball so right now I got Alec Thomas as my center fielder for the D-backs in 2023 now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks Podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks News Coverage and Insight. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, Lockdown MLB, with my pal Sully Baseball. He's a walking baseball encyclopedia, as you guys all know. So go check out his podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks News Coverage and Insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, deuces.